0: ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on the laptop watch what i'm gonna do welcome to the show let them know we got a point of view hey yo let's have a combo say what you feel be real that's the motto real talk pronto dr d phd hit the intro hold up wait gotta be
1: social network global, home for the local gotta be social network global, home for the local
0: all right erica it's morning time it's time to talk about morning. yoga morning. We're going to talk about yoga, right? I mean, come on. It's good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, one, I came across you because I came across your YouTube channel. And uh, mm-hmm. I recently started trying to grow my YouTube channel. I hadn't been on there like in forever. And I was like, maybe I should do something with this. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> but I love your channel and I love uh, what you're doing there. So tell everyone, I would love to hear kind of the origins of your story with yoga. How did yoga come into your life?
1: Mm, Good question. So I came into the yoga practice in a very practical way. Uh, It started back in about 2012, 2013, when I just got married, and everything in my life altered. So I had a new job, new husband, lived in a new town. And there were some things going on with my husband's family. So his family lived in the house with us for a while, which meant I was introduced to a new culture. Uh, My husband's Mexican American. And I was just overloaded. And all of the tools and resources that I had growing up that would normally help me deal with stress and new situations, they just didn't seem to be working. No. <laughs> and uh, I found that instead of having a good outlet, I was just internalizing all of that stress. And my, my body felt tight. I was uncomfortable. I wasn't sleeping. My husband said he was walking around on eggshells for months. You know, he told me this after the fact. Okay.
0: He didn't tell Uh, you during, you can't do that. He didn't (laughs)
1: tell me during. Yeah. But it was a very stressful time with just a lot of new things that I didn't really know how to address. And I didn't understand why my body was reacting this way. So like most people, I saw this, I don't know, article online about how yoga is great for relieving stress. And I eased into it. I come from a very religious household and a very religious background, um, very conservative Christian family. And so anything that seemed like it would be even remotely tied to another religion or something, I was like, oh, let me just kind of tiptoe <laughs> into this, you know, one, one toe at a time. Yeah. And I I didn't even want to invest $30 in a group yoga class at a studio. I literally went to the Goodwill up the street from our house, got a VHS tape for like a dollar 30 <laughs> and it was I still remember it was like a Rodney Yee VHS tape and my husband for whatever reason still had a VHS player and I was like okay I'll try it this way and it was like morning and evening yoga with Rodney Yee and I haven't looked back since wow it was it was really transformational for me
0: that is the question a VHS player in 2012 <laughs> still bad
1: <laughs> It was I don't know if he was just saving it to see if it would like grow in value and sell yeah. it on eBay one day. I don't know. <laughs> but I was, I'm glad that he had it because it it was my way into the practice yeah. when I was when I didn't know enough to be comfortable to walk into a studio space or practice on my own. So
0: what's interesting yeah. is that the conversation about I've talked to a lot of people in yoga about the conversation about religion and yoga. Mm-hmm. And that is a very juicy topic, right? It's like the idea that this may infringe upon whatever uh, religion you may be practicing for that. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that and kind of the mm-hmm. the hesitancy with that? I think it's interesting. A lot of people, I think, would be curious to hear about that. You know?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so there, there's a few things that are happening here. The first is that because yoga has lots of lineages, lots of traditions. The one that we're most common with, you can trace back you know, to India. You know? And since a lot of people who are living in India are also Hindu, you see this beautiful overlap sometimes where a pose name will have the reference to um, a story about a deity or something along those lines. So there, there is room for overlap there with Hinduism and yoga. It's, it's just there, it's a part of the practice. Um, a lot of the postures for yoga, a lot of our themes and our concepts are all in Sanskrit and they all can kind of tie into this Hindu, uh, Hindu tradition. But in the West, we tend to see yoga as just a, a, a modality of stretching. And so you can completely walk into a classroom at any yoga studio and roll out your mat, stretch, sweat, whatever, and go home and not have that overlap of any sort of you know, religious context at all. So the debate becomes like, is it dishonoring yoga's lineage, its heritage, its history, if you're not acknowledging that religious aspect, or is it completely okay to adapt yoga to whatever you want and to practice it? Um, you're gonna hear cultural appropriation come up a lot. You're gonna hear decolonization come up a lot. And these are all really worthwhile like topics, and I'm, I'm of the belief that you can create space to honor the original tradition and practice your own lifestyle, own philosophy, own religious practices, whatever, that these things can be complementary to one another. They don't have to be in conflict. Um, but that's not, you know the opinion of everyone. And yeah, you know, we kind of work around
0: that.: <laughs> I think I just had someone on when we talked about the kind of westernization of yoga. And I think that's a big brewing topic in the yoga circles, and especially in today's climate. I think it's it's definitely an interesting conversation. But I think to add on to that, one of the bigger conversations is people, non-white folks in yoga, <laughs> especially people like ourselves, Black Americans mm-hmm. being in yoga. This is something I've, I've hired a yoga instructor's you know, past 15 years and clubs I've run and stuff like that. It is not common to find someone like yourself, Erica. Why is not that?
1: Common. Uh, I think there are several layers. <laughs> Everything is layered. Surprise. It's all um, layers. Yeah. Several, it's all layered. Yeah. It's all very complicated. Um, but I think the first is that we may not feel, there are some economic things to to consider. Right. So, if you are a householder, which is a practitioner that's not going to, you know, live off in a cave or a monastery somewhere, you've got a nine to five. You have a family. You have kids. Having the availability and to spend two hundred hours in a training—that's a huge commitment. Having three, five 5000 dollars to invest in that training—that's a commitment too. So you you have that as one la- one layer. The second layer is that not all spaces are welcoming not all spaces are inclusive. Some of them are intentionally not inclusive. They won't say that, Mm. but um, they don't go out of their way to make people feel welcome. And so you're kind of navigating that. Um, And that's changing, fortunately. I can say that when I did my first yoga teacher training, did my first graduation, I was the only woman of color in that class. And since then going back to that studio and seeing the other teacher trainings, it's changing and you're seeing more diversity and more representation. And that's amazing, but it's been pretty slow progress.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's it's really interesting. You mentioned the, kind of the intentional nature. What are some of the examples of maybe, it maybe it's unconscious, maybe, you know, on some level, but if, if it is intentional, what are some examples maybe of the intentional, maybe exclusion of people of color that you could think of?
1: Ooh. This is so early and we're already diving into this. I know um,
0: this is what, this is what we're doing. We have to accept <laughs> it. That's <we're>
1: <laughs> what we're doing. I'm here for it. Um, okay. So i I can, I'll speak to my personal yes. experience. Um, so when you are in a classroom discussion or you're in a yoga teacher training and you begin to talk about um, the different types of life experiences and the life backgrounds, the different types of suffering that we experience, anything that makes you who you are there's this tendency here, particularly in the US, to be love and light all the time. And if you bring up something that's not love and light, then you're bringing in negative vibes, we don't have time to hear that. And that is a type of exclusion, right? Because if you aren't having a love and light background in every aspect of your life, what do you do? Not talk about it, not represent it, not be it. When social justice issues came up, particularly, like 2019 things were really pretty fiery and I would want to speak on this people like don't don't bring that drama into the classroom I actually had a student tell me that oh. um because we were talking about ahimsa and non-violence and she's like don't don't bring all that racial drama into the classroom that's not what we're here for and that was a discussion <laughs> worth having um but in, in a way it's intentional exclusion and um I I can't explain why it happens because we can talk about the difficulty of, I don't know, any other challenge in the world that's happening, but the second that race or gender come into it, people start getting very touchy and they don't want to go into those topics that have socio-historic, socio-economic implications because it's heavy and it's deep and it's so much easier to just gloss over it and be love and light and focus on unity. But it's a part of the practice to address that as well. And if you're in a studio situation, where people are refusing to address that, they are refusing to acknowledge and address you. Yes, and they're in, refusing to validate your life experiences and life experiences of your family, and that's pretty tough.
0: Ooh, that was a good yeah. one. I tell you, that's you know what's how can you be love and light all the time? Like life is not like that. I mean, there's a it's struggle, not. and it's, certainly there's a different layer of the struggle for people of color that I think other people don't necessarily. They may be somewhat aware of it but it makes them uncomfortable you know Mm -hmm. and I think that uncomfortable nature is something all people are just they find it hard to confront that and then they think in themselves well then if I confront this then maybe it's going to shine a mirror on me that maybe I'm not doing what I should be doing
1: (laughs) (laughs) right on the nose yes (laughs) and you know people don't make that connection right like when in in the west and i want to keep saying that because it's not the same all over the world but when i walk into a yoga studio in atlanta and it's a hot power yoga class they intentionally create an atmosphere of discomfort and when you're there and you're sweating and you're in chair pose for 30 seconds um you start to feel that discomfort but then you realize i can do this i can overcome this i'm more than this discomfort i'm more than this Inconvenient, you know all these great things happen but you got to take those lessons that you get on the mat and bring them off of the mat Mm. so that you know you can have difficult conversations with loved ones you can have difficult conversations in your communities you can overcome those uncomfortable things and it's something you've learned from the practice but sometimes we just want to leave it on the mat and not let it apply to our lifestyles outside of the yoga studio and That's really unfortunate, but I feel like that's what we're there for. We don't make shapes with our bodies just so that we can do party tricks and look like (laughs) contortionists. Like we're, we're, we're learning through all of that.
0: Okay. Now we got to take it this direction too. So there's an avenue, there's many avenues of yoga, but I think with the increased uh, viability of social media and especially the video aspect, whether it's through Instagram, YouTube, all this stuff there's an element of yoga where it feels like it's show where it feels like it's, Hey, I'm doing a handstand next to the Louvre and, or I'm going (laughs) to do this warrior pose, whatever. And then is, how, how do you perceive that? Is it, does it feel like disingenuous or is it just, Hey, that's their lane, whatever's going on? How do you perceive that?
1: Um, I try to stay away from judging other people's practice or how yeah. they represent it. I I I started that way, to be honest. So when I first you know, did my Rodney Yee videos or whatever, yeah. I got onto Instagram so that I can chart my progress with my physical asana practice, but also share it with other people. And that was great. Um, but as I learned more, I'm like, okay, this isn't the practice. It's not just the shapes, it's not just the body. But I continued to post on Instagram. So there's two things to that. The first is if you want a handstand in front of the lube, go for it. I'm not going to judge you for that. I think there's a time and a place for handstands in public places. Um, <laughs> but there's also a sense of responsibility as a yoga teacher to educate people on what else the practice includes. And that can become very difficult in social media culture where the attention span is short. It has to be entertaining. It has to be flashy and there's this trend that you want to follow, all these audio trends that people want to put on TikTok. And, you know, so there's a lot of pressure to create something that is aesthetically pleasing to catch people's eye so you can then educate them on everything else that the practice has to offer. And that's kind of where I find myself right now. Um, I've turned more towards using yoga asana and meditation as a tool to help people overcome depression, anxiety, Trauma, things like that, um, and I feel like that's very serious work. And it, but it's very hard to catch people's attention without something to catch their attention. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I've taken pictures of myself doing asana, and I'll have a caption that has nothing to do with that asana. Sometimes, um, but <laughs> the picture, the image, is just to catch the attention. Few people want to take pictures of themselves meditating because that is the least authentic thing possible. <laughs> but it's a huge part of the practice, you know. So it, It's a balance between reaching people and representing yourself authentic, authentically. And I think we all are kind of walking that tightrope.
0: Isn't that the truth? I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. And I'm doing a whole yoga month because I'm I'm talking to different instructors who are and maybe some are not even on social media, really. And some are like Mm -hmm. huge on social media, seven, eight hundred thousand subscribers. And like, what's that line? What's the experience? And one person I talked to who actually I'm talking to again today is, you know, there's this whole thing of like, well, I want people to do the practice of yoga. But then I also want people to follow me and subscribe. So I'm also offering somewhat of my body and being Mm. in a bikini or, you know, providing this skin for that. And I think there's yeah. and I think a lot of influencers and YouTubers, they struggle with that. And I think the public doesn't see that. I want to put that out there. It's like, I don't think people are just doing it because they just want to be thirsty about stuff. There are people that are actually struggling with why, whether they should or should not do this because it, it, in some cases, it's their, their income. Literally, their entire income is YouTube. And how do you be authentic? but also gain the following you want and get people to do Mm -hmm. yoga, you know?
1: It's really important, I think, for all teachers here in the U.S. to acknowledge that yoga wasn't a business. And Mm. so we have now created a business around something. Well, so let's just say back in the day, let's say it's the 1600s or something. You're a yoga teacher. You're working with people who are compensating you not with cash right they don't walk through the door with cash sit with you for an hour and go home they may contribute to your life in other ways housing food you know that sort of stuff the esteem of the community everyone worked together to take care of these teachers in some cases they were teaching like nobility and royals and so they were just taken care of they didn't have to think about their bills (laughs) but now here we've got bills and we're all household or most of us are householders you know and we have families, we have financial responsibilities. We created this problem ourselves. Mm. And there's not a very smooth, easy answer to it because actually, I lied. I take that back. There's a smooth, easy answer to it. You should always be authentic. You should always be genuine. And you should always try to trust that your people are going to find you. With that said, it's easier said than done because you've got those bills to pay. And, you know, it, it's hard. It's like you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. Um, so, what I would recommend is that people should know. Let me pause for a second. I want to craft my words. Mind. Yoga was not a business. Yoga was a lifestyle, a calling, um, something that the teachers would dedicate their entire lives to into sharing into sharing it freely we are not necessarily doing that here in the US a lot of us may have jobs that supplement that so then we can offer lower rates for our teaching lower rates for our classes maybe even do things for free and that's great for the community but for those of us who are teaching full time it creates a conflict because i've i've been in a place where i am auditioning to teach with another person who's auditioning to teach that person says oh i could take 25 dollars a class whatever i got a 9 to 5 I can't live off of $25 a class. So now there's kind of a conflict here. Like we may both have a 500 hour designation, but she's she can live off of less than I can. She might get the gig. So you have to kind of acknowledge that you've turned it into a business. And now we're kind of cannibalizing ourselves because we've turned it into a business. And then you're gonna have people that are stepping outside of their authentic selves to try to gain followers and gain subscribers and get the ad revenue. And we've created this problem that did not originally exist. And we're the only ones who can really get ourselves out of it. And I feel like the only way to get ourselves out of that problem is to continue to be authentic, encourage one another to be authentic, and trust that our people are going to find us whether we're wearing a bikini or not.
0: That was uh, very well said. I mean, that was, you know what I like, Erica, that you had a thoughtful response. You didn't just shoot from the hip on it you were like, okay, how do I, I want to make sure you were true to yourself. I think in that, that answer, I try, <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. And I think it's, it's the struggle that I'm witnessing for many yoga instructors. When I was hiring lots of yoga stru- instructors back in the day, there wasn't the online presence and, and the right. business of yoga was very much still bubbling in terms of other options, but now you could literally be a yoga instructor and never teach in a studio if you yep. have a great following. That I think is very interesting. You can technically offer all of your services for free, but you're getting ad revenue uh, yep. to create an income and sometimes it be very sizable. So I wonder where that's going and how that's going to impact the, the business of yoga. Cause now, I mean, I have a lady coming on who's talking about uh, who, who actually trained yoga professionals to be public speakers. There's whole things. There's all these cottage industries developing out of this. And I wonder how will that affect the business or yoga in the long term?
1: I don't know, dude. I don't know. But (laughs) I think one thing that's happening almost immediately or two things is that we're getting a farther reach, right? People who may never step foot inside of a studio are okay opening up their laptop or their tablet and taking a class online. I think that's beautiful because you get to introduce so many people to the practice and then they can take it deeper if they want. It's also becoming less um, personal, mm. right? Because if you're teaching online and you're, you have these video recordings you put out, I do YouTube videos, you know that's how you found me. I don't get to see my students. I don't get to help offer adjustments and modifications that are perfect for their bodies, for their ability levels. I can just kind of offer these generalizations because I'm not seeing the people that I'm interacting with. That makes it less personal for the students. It means that there are students that might be trying to cram themselves into a shape that's not right for them. Um, It can help them learn their inner teacher faster if they know they have one. (laughs) Most people don't know they have an inner teacher. So they're trying to do whatever the the teacher online is saying. So I think the online world has its pros and cons, you know. but I'm hoping it balances out. I'm hoping that people may start online and they dip their foot in the water that way. And then they decide to really dive into it in their communities with other people and with teachers that can help them one-on-one and um, teachers that can guide them into more than just asana. So I'm hoping we kind of use the online world as like a pipeline to funnel people into the practice offline. That's my hope.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think like anything, we're all trying to figure out this virtual existence on some, it's regardless of the industry, it has affected every facet of our existence and how we're in the infancy. I mean, the internet literally was created by Tim Berners-Lee in 1990. I mean, it's like, you know, that's, that was like 32 years ago. That's nothing in the time span of our existence. So we're grappling with this existential idea of this virtual existence you know offline existence and now I see with yoga I'm happy for instructors that could make money you know doing other things as well I think for anybody you can get money support yourself because again it's not this isn't different the 1600s like you have to pay your bills and as we know people life is not getting cheaper (laughs) (laughs) so and you're doing something you love to do and you can make make money in different ways to do it I mean I think that's uh, really actually pretty awesome that people yeah. can do and that.
1: If it's okay, I'd like to circle back to the yoga in a bikini thing. Okay. <laughs> um, let's,
0: okay. You know what? You got more to say. Let's do it. <laughs>
1: I, and I, I wanted to circle back to this because I'm, I'm working through a lot of these things myself. Right. And I'm getting to a point of realizing that everything is sacred and nothing is sacred. And to say that, it's okay to practice yoga in nylon pants, but it's not okay to practice yoga in a bikini. You can practice yoga naked. Like it's, that's not even the thing, right? Um so I think intention plays into it largely. So I don't want to I didn't want to come off as you know, any disrespect for someone who chooses to practice in a different attire choice than I might. That's their thing. God bless them. Um but I, I think it's about your intention too, right? Like, are you doing it as a thirst trap or are you doing it because it's 98 degrees outside and it's more comfortable to practice and barely nothing? Are you doing it because you acknowledge that your body is sacred and everything about it is sacred? Or again, is it a thirst trap and you're doing it? you know? So honoring your intention and being authentic, I think is a huge factor in how we perceive people representing the practice. Um, and I, don't know, I just feel like that's worth tossing out there. Everyone's got their own
0: thing. I agree. And I've seen everything, so many things. And I'm like, hey, man, I think, you know, if that's working for you, that feels natural for you or how you want to express yourself. I'm definitely for it. But here's a question. Mm -hmm. Not all people who are doing yoga online, yoga, are 200 hour, 500 hour. There can be many Mm -hmm. people practicing, quote unquote, yoga without any certification. What are your thoughts on that?
1: The original practitioners didn't have certifications. So I don't want to limit someone's wisdom based on a class that they sat through. Um, But what they did have was a lineage, right? They learned directly from a teacher, they were in a community. And I feel like that at least needs to be there. So if you're not going through a 200 hour certification program in the US or 500 hour, whatever, it's still really important to learn from someone who has experience and insight um, before you, perhaps before you start teaching others. I just feel like that should be common sense. Um, and, or at least to be transparent, right? Like if you just want to get online and show your yoga journey and talk about what you've learned, that's cool. But let people know I am not a yoga teacher. <laughs> this is just meant for entertainment purposes only, you know, however you want to do it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think there's some gatekeeping to yoga because the yoga practice in the west because you have to pay all that money for the certification they want you to pay yoga alliance to keep up with your certification and all that and that's fine there should be something that's like quality assurance within teaching I, i support that but then also that wasn't part of the original design it wasn't part of the original makeup and there are some ytt's out there that i don't think are awesome um they so what does it matter if someone paid for a not so awesome certification, but then you have someone else who's under, you know, who's under the guidance of a really profound teacher. They're not doing the same thing, but someone has a certification and the other person doesn't. That might not be the answer you're looking for. No, it's not no. very definitive, but.
0: Yeah. I think it's a nuanced yeah. answer. It's a nuanced answer. That's, you know, and I think that's what I like about doing this. There's A lot of people are actually more nuanced than we give them credit for with it and i think that's life is is very nuanced with that i I asked that question thinking about because being in the fitness profession for 22 years there's always this debate about certification licensure and stuff and especially with the online environment fitness is crazy like anybody's just posting stuff you know (laughs) it's great it's actually like the wild wild west out there so there's this big movement for try to like professionalize fitness a lot better and understanding that you know um having some background is really important but then again you have people who are really popular who have no background and people just that's that's gonna yeah. be that's the rub with all this stuff at least with yoga there's a little more centralized aspect of it and certification fitness it's crazy uh it's like there's there are many organizations but nobody wants to come to the conclusion that maybe we should all kind of like come together it's like no you do you I'll <laughs> do me type of thing yeah. you know so I'm just fascinated by that you know
1: like people are they grab and I I regret that I don't remember this tiktoker's name but she's been a nutritionist for 20 years and she specializes in gut health and rehabilitation and all these great things so knowledgeable uh but her post was something about you know but people don't want to listen to me because I don't have a six-pack and they're going to this 16 year old with a six pack who just made up her nutrition plan and people like well she got results that i want (laughs) so i'm gonna listen to her instead and i think yoga teachers personal trainers we all have to kind of encounter that the aesthetics of being fit and healthy and having it together versus actually having it together (laughs) um Oh no! What are your thoughts on that? Like, are you in the camp of wanting greater control, greater certification? Um,
0: Most I, definitely. What do you think? Most definitely. Yeah. I'm actually. This is a a large discussion that I have with different committees I'm on, fitness organizations, and things of that nature. Uh, I think there should definitely be more quality control. But on the other hand, I think fitness. Uh, you know, kind of the larger institutions in fitness, they look down upon influencers. And I think Mm -hmm. that's wrong. And I think that they're they're like snobby about it. So a lot of people who are in my position of, you know, veterans in the business, been very successful, they go, oh, well, they're not as intelligent or they don't, you know, they don't have all this education, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but they're doing something better than you. They're connecting to people. Their marketing Mm -hmm. is way better than your marketing. For don't hate on them for that. And like, you should learn yeah. from this. So my thing is like, these two things need to come together. The influencer and the, maybe your more academic minded professional need to actually spend time with each other and talk to each other. Because yeah. from my experience in doing these interviews, the, especially the large influencers, they actually want to be more respected and with the, maybe more veteran people, but then they feel the, um, the hate that other people have about they feel that the trolling that Mm -hmm. your more academic people put on them i just think you got to come together there should be better quality assurance but we do i think we need to unite and that's been my mission with all this is like i will be considered one of those people i don't want to be one of those people i want to be someone who unites these two sides and brings them together because we could learn from each other
1: yeah absolutely and i think we kind of are circling back to the the colonization idea yes um in a really indirect way but directly like there's this respectability that comes with higher education or education of any sort um and in order to tap into that respectability you have to be educated and that's not entirely bad but it is something that we face in the world of of fitness and I mean, I kind of hate putting yoga into fitness, but you know what I mean? That's another um, conversation. That, <laughs> that's, enough, that's another conversation. Comp- yoga asana, let's just say that. Um, <clears throat> so that's going to be something that we're working through for a very long time, because with that education comes the ability to be a safe teacher, an informed teacher. You can create healthier spaces for people to practice without injury and, and all that. But then Downside, we start creating um, standards that are unrealistic. We start telling people their bodies should look a certain way in a shape when that may not have anything to do with safety. Um, yeah, it's just nuanced. It's not it's not that cut and dry. so there's there's actually like a m- little underground movement that's simmering. I don't know if you've come across it yet where, people are trying to question alignment-based yoga asana practices. Ooh. And they're like, you know, so I I have some teachers that are in the Anusara lineage and I draw from that, but it has this very regimented way of looking like, okay, your knee should be bent 90 degrees. This should be, you know, but it's like, really? Is that necessary? What does it help? How does it prevent injury? If we only move within these safe lines of movement. What happens the second that you go beyond that safe range of motion? You're injured. That defeats the purpose. Um, And so it's a really good discussion. And I like that we're questioning everything about the practice because it's getting people to be more thoughtful. Are you getting us into these alignment points genuinely for our safety? Are you repeating it because that's what you heard in your YTT? Is it helping? At the end of the day, I think we should just serve people. And that means being as educated as humanly possible. Um, and then questioning everything that we were educated about
0: continually. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm a big proponent of that. And I think that the alignment thing I haven't heard of in yoga. I've talked to a lot of yoga folks, but that's what's great. You're gonna get all these different uh points of view from people and things. Certain that's mm-hmm. I don't know all this stuff, so I wanna get educated on what's happening. Uh, in different communities uh, for that so I think that's an interesting discussion I want to tap back real quick and I said oh that's a different discussion fitness and yoga Mm -hmm. there are certainly many people and and they're on both sides who don't think yoga is fitness and (laughs) I'd like to shake it what do you think about that and then there's people who think it is I'm curious your point of view for that
1: yeah personally I think like the yoga asana the stuff we're doing with our bodies there's clearly a fitness component to it um i just kind of it it limits yoga to say that yoga is just a fitness practice mm. you know even with even if you just acknowledge the eight limbs you're already getting into community interaction personal reflection um your spirituality your life if you believe in reincarnation and all that like how you're going to be brought back into this life by what you learn there's just so much more going on with the yoga practice outside of yoga asana um but because yoga asana is the thing that you can take a picture of you can see it you can sell it um that's what people recognize the most so it's sure yoga asana is fitness but fitness is not all encompassing of yoga there's just so much more
0: You know, in an extension of this, I I always would see because I've known so many yoga instructors in life, some yoga instructors who um, only did yoga. Like there was no other thing that there was no uh, there was no like cardiovascular based exercise Mm -hmm. or uh, external resistance based, you know, strength and conditioning. What are your feelings about that? Someone like only practices yoga or should someone do more than just yoga for their overall like physical fitness?
1: Ooh. Um I would definitely recommend that people cross train and an interdisciplinary approach is going to help you be better rounded like more well rounded in your health. Um I mean there are some I just feel like there are some limitations to yoga asana practice that you need to supplement with something else if you're going for optimal health even just nutrition like yoga asana doesn't address nutrition. <laughs> um so yeah, absolutely. I I have, fully encourage my students to do other things in addition to their yoga asana practice um, because you're not necessarily going to get resistance training unless well see I think that's how a lot of these hybrid yoga classes yeah. are born people who are doing yoga with weight people who are doing <laughs> yoga and hit, because we realize yeah. that if you're just looking at the physical body the body needs something else and so we start creating these hybrid programs and giving it unique names and whatever and that's fine I guess (laughs) in a certain way Um, but it it comes from exactly what you're saying the need to fill that gap between what yoga asana can offer and what the body needs um I I'm still on the fence about yoga hybrids like goat yoga you know that's
0: crazy to me (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) I mean I love the, <laughs> I,
1: I love the communion with nature. I love getting the animals involved, but then there is also something that, you know, feels a little gimmicky about it. And yes. I've gone to a goat yoga class because I didn't want to assume anything. So I went to see what was up and I'm like, this is more about petting the goats. <laughs> and I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with this. Like, I know equine therapy is a thing, right? Yes. Animal interactions can be therapeutic, so I'm not going to diss that. But I just kind of wish there was a different name than
0: goat yoga. Yeah. Just go pet goats. I mean, I mean <laughs> maybe this go could, pet
1: goats. <laughs> just go
0: do. I mean, there's plenty of little. I don't know. It's a <laughs> it could be a thing, you know. What was interesting? I remember when I gosh, this was a while ago when the, um. These hybrid classes started coming together, and then there was like things like hip hop yoga and stuff, or core power yoga and all that. Um, Trap yoga, trap yoga. Yeah, I'm just I'm curious. Like, how is that? Is that still something that is continuing to be pushed more of these hybrid based classes, or is that kind of fizzled out?
1: Mm, I think it's continuing to be pushed, but it's done more mindfully than it used to be. I think, yeah, probably it from my little teeny tiny perspective, mm-hmm. that it started off as a way to differentiate yourself from what other people were offering. So that, um, you know, you stood out in the crowd. But I think now people are realizing that if you're offering these hybrid classes, you're you're maybe able to reach someone who wouldn't come to a yin or restorative yoga class. And you're able to better serve them by starting where they are. So if they're like, I just wanna go stretch to some good music, all right, trap music, trap <laughs> yoga. Know, you got I it. Know while you're there on the mat, let me tell you about this concept, <laughs> you know? So I think it's just being done more mindfully now. And I'm, I'm here for anything to get people more connected to their breath and more connected to one another. Let's, let's give it a try. Respectfully. Respectfully.
0: Respectfully. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. What do you think of, um, it's interesting. I was watching this documentary about, I think it was, it was essentially about hot yoga it was Bikram yoga mm-hmm. and the whole thing uh. that may be that, there's some elements of yoga that lend itself to this kind of guru mentality and that the instructor sometimes can rise to this almost cult-like figure do you mm-hmm. think that yoga by the nature of what it is sometimes can lend itself to creating that type of environment
1: absolutely it i mean it started with people going to a guru and wanting to be educated by a single person and there's so much You know, particularly in Eastern practices, there's so much respect and so much honor and reverence and um, even the way that students ask questions to teachers is very different than what we do here. So I think that whenever you acknowledge someone's wisdom, there's a potential to elevate them but they're also just human and they're flawed and they're imperfect and they're still working through their life, just like everyone else. And so we have a a propensity that we could be elevating. um, Someone who's just as human as we are. And there's always risk associated with that.
0: Erica, I have to tell you this, this has been awesome. Seriously. I mean, you (laughs) are so well versed in how you answer questions. I love that. Like you're very thoughtful. You're like a thoughtful person. I'm sure many people think that about you. And it it comes across very easily. You're like, I don't know about that.
1: (laughs) I'm just, I'm over here in like a cold sweat. Like, oh, there's just so much I want to say. There's only an hour. Um, (laughs) But yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. And thank you so much for these like really insightful questions. Like these are things that yoga teachers and students and just like the community are, we're grappling with these yes. and we don't always have solid answers to offer. And it, these are good conversations to have for sure.
0: I think so. And it's, it's one of the things too, it's like, when I saw your YouTube page, I was like, wow, this is an impressive person. But I also think like, I've told other yoga instructors, a lot of times people don't really know you on these pages either. You're presenting, you know, uh, a routine. You're saying, okay, this is our practice for today. But like knowing Erica, I think that's fascinating for viewers to see what's behind the curtain of this instructor. What are their thoughts about yoga and and yoga and related to people of color, yoga related to the westernization of it, yoga related to hybrid classes? I think people actually want to know more about you. And so I try to do that with people and and ask questions that I think will help people know who you are a little bit better.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And we we need help with that, like (laughs) platforms like yours (laughs) are so essential because, you know, it's like people, when they're like, I just want to work out, I'm going to get on YouTube and I'm going to find a video. Like they don't to sit and hear you talk about yourself and your beliefs for 15 minutes in that context, mm. you know? So you're doing an amazing service for multiple communities by giving us an opportunity to, to be more than just the face on the screen, moving in shapes, you know, it, it's, you're, you're doing the Lord's work. Uh,
0: thank you. There's <laughs> well, just different sides. It's kind of like, there's this, I'm noticing this trend of like yoga instructors are moving into this space where not only they're doing yoga. Now it's like, what's their day in their life in yoga, or now they're trying on different clothes, these halls and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this one direction you want to go, but like, maybe people also want to learn about you too. It may not be the highest uh, viewed thing you're doing, it probably won't be talking about this more mm-hmm. in depth things. However, I do think it creates this sense of depth to a person, and everybody I talk to wants to be respected. They want to have, they want to present more depth about themselves. I'm like, well, you're gonna have to do stuff like this if you want that, <laughs> you know. So the scary stuff. The scary stuff. And I right? connect-
1: Yeah. To the authenticity that we talk about, you know, people who are struggling and they're not sure if they want to be in the bikini, if they want to do whatever they want, the followers, like, you don't have to necessarily do the showiest thing. And it might not be the, you know, most engagement you ever get, but giving people an opportunity to glimpse who you are as an authentic person, how you feel, what you think. I feel like all that has so much value.
0: Um, It is the
1: differentiator. Mm
0: -hmm. It is. It is. And that's, that's what I hope to gain from all these. is for myself to gain more knowledge about, different people in different industries, but also I wanna help other people doing this too. I'm like, hey, let's connect our YouTubes together so that people can see this interview of you. And they're not just getting yoga practice you, they're learning so mm-hmm. much more about the depth of yourself or let's share this with other people so they know more about Erica. They know more about you know how you feel about the practice versus just presenting the practice. To people, exactly. that I think is really the differentiator. It's like, how do you feel about it versus just presenting? Because most people are just presenting it; they're not actually t- talking about it on a deeper, more nuanced level. And you're so good at it. You're so good <laughs> at doing that. Thank you.
1: And I, I, I'm trying, and it's hard because cancel culture is a real thing. You don't ever want to say the wrong thing. You don't ever want to get canceled. You don't want to misrepresent. it. so I can understand why. You know, sometimes we kind of hold back and we just present the practice, (laughs) Um, but there is value in taking that step forward. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be
0: here. Thank you so much. Well, my whole thing is like, hey, I'll email this person. If they don't get back to me, it is what it is. (laughs) You know, if they do and they want to do it, great. It's awesome. So it's been an amazing journey. Thank you for your time. Please let everyone know how they can connect with you and learn more about you.
1: Yeah, so you can find me on all you know, YouTube and Instagram as Erica, E R I C A, Rascon, R A S C O N Yoga. <laughs> um, and you can also find me on Facebook the same way. Uh, if you ever have any questions about anything that we talked about, you can shoot me an email. I actually love engaging with people. So you can contact me at info at deeplyrootedwellness.com. And deeply rooted wellness.com is my website as well. So I'd love to hear back your thoughts and feedback on this on this session today. It's been awesome.
0: Erica, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Take care.